Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the RIP Tour podcast. I am your tour guide, Tim. And I can't tell you how excited I am for this episode. This is really, really just a special one today. But we will get to that momentarily. I can't do this by myself, so I need to introduce the other tour guides with me. And man, we have a full, full cast today. Luke, what's up, buddy? How you been? Hey, I'm doing good. Yeah, we do have a full table. I'm so excited for this episode. It's going to be a good day. Passing on to the next host. <laughs> yes. Gary, my friend, how are you, sir? Hello. I am very well. It's actually nice and sunny here in the UK today. So, um, Is it hot? No. Actually, it did rain this morning. <laughs> I tell a lie. Um, but now it, it, it's pretty It's pretty warm. It's not cold. Um, I did have a hoodie on, which was nice. Um, so I think the weather's starting to finally cool down a little bit. I miss hoodie weather very badly. Anyway. And then our last tour guide, Ash, how are you? I am doing great, Tim. Very, very excited for this episode. Nervous, apprehensive, very yes. excited. So I've got yes. all the feelings. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. Well, you guys can tell by the title of it when you see this. Um, we are talking to Midnight Syndicate today, and we are super excited. So for you guys listening, you are probably most familiar with Mid Midnight Syndicate as the duo who have composed for and shaped the history of HHN for over 20 years now. We also want to take a thorough look into their history, other projects, and what is next to come from them. So without further ado, let me introduce Midnight Syndicate. We have Mr. Ed Douglas and Gavin Gosca. Welcome, guys. Hey, hey, thanks. Welcome. Great to be here. It is great to be here. Uh, we are very excited that you guys came on and taken the time out of your day to talk to us because we are. Oh, yeah, I appreciate it. The, the pressure's on now. We have to deliver oh, no, and, no be, and be entertaining. Oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. No pressure. Um, so basically what the, how this is going to run, guys, is we're gonna, we have questions and then in between we have facts and stuff. At any time, interject, talk to us. It's all good, all right? So we're going to get right into it. So the first question is, so before we take a deep dive, we saw that some of your influences growing up range from John Williams to Vincent Price. Could you talk about some of your influences growing up that brought you to where you are now? And has music always been important to, uh, to both of you? Yeah, I think uh, for me... Um you know, when I saw the, the original Halloween, uh, you know, with John Carpenter's soundtrack and everything that just, I just love that movie and everything. It's so atmospheric and everything that just really struck a chord with me. Um, and even like some of the classic, you know, horror books, like Shirley Jackson's The Haunting of Hill House. I read that growing up. Um, that just stayed with me for forever. Uh, the original Salem's Lot, Peter Straub's Ghost Story, some of these, these stories and movies and stuff just really kind of got inside my head and and stayed there and i just found myself like you know i don't know just kind of lost in that the world of, of of what was happening and such yeah yeah and, and for me too i think you know horror has just been and ghost stories and all that has been such a just a big influence for me uh twilight zone uh that whole sci-fi like fantasy reality thing dungeons and dragons these are these these are these fantasy worlds that have just really like inspired me and in everything that I've done uh, creatively and and music has always been there. It was you know certainly my first love and I, it's never really left. Even though I've I've ventured into theater, film, music has always been a constant. 
And I always, from a young age, loved instrumental music because I felt when you listen to instrumental music, what's happening and uh, in the, in the song and everything is really left left up to your your imagination. When I just listen to some of those great scores by John Williams, John Carpenter, Jerry Goldsmith, just you close your eyes and your head is filled with these images, and that was very inspiring to me. So I. I think I always just drifted towards the whole instrumental um, music, even though I played a little bit of everything as far as that. That's awesome. Um, just just a side kind of question. Um, what do you guys, like, what instruments do you both play? I've got to assume you guys do a lot. Uh, for me, I was trained originally on keyboards, um, and then I started taking drum lessons, like getting into high school, self-taught on bass vocals, I hack at guitar, <laughs> so... <laughs> yeah and for me i um started on on guitar uh and uh, and bass bass guitar but then uh quickly moved over to uh the organ where i like learned basic keyboard fundamentals and and that's certainly what i use now most with or exclusively with midnight syndicate uh not a not a super accomplished pianist or anything like that but enough to to play the keyboards to get what i need out of it um when, when uh, composing and stuff and uh yeah that's 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 pretty much pretty much it okay awesome awesome and also as well with with, with you guys i mean all our listeners are big big in the obviously halloween horror nights community and i think the name midnight syndicate is just synonymous with halloween horror nights but i think it's you know it is important to get your history and your background people may not know you know outside of Horror Nights, but uh, Ed and Gavin, obviously known as Midnight Syndicate, have been creating dark, symphonic soundtracks and gothic horror for over 25 years now. And their work has led them to compose for really significant IPs, films, TV shows, and more importantly for us guys, theme parks. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, the idea behind Midnight Syndicate was always, we wanted to be a band that created these soundtracks to imaginary films. Uh, albums that you can put on, close your eyes and get transported away to a world or a movie of your own creation. That was the basic concept of Midnight Syndicate from the beginning. And and we were going to do that by combining mostly instrumental music with sound effects because I feel like sound effects when blended in with music can just take things to even further level and spark your imagination in even more uh, exciting ways. And and so we Gavin and I both love the horror. It's very about our comfort zone. So we, um, and and one of the things is when we started out, there was really nobody doing music quite like we did. Like if you said, Hey, we're going to be a band that's going to make soundtracks to imaginary films, like, and imaginary horror. There's really nothing quite like it out there. There was a couple of people doing things for like fantasy. There's a band called Mortis in Europe that did kind of more fantasy music. Certain artists had dabbled with the idea of a soundtrack to an imaginary film. You know, I've done one album, one-offs here and there. But nobody had ever, like, said, hey, this is what we're going to be all about. Do this. Well, so we knew that we were in, like, you know, kind of rare air with that whole concept. And we also knew that at that time, there was a real, uh, a real demand for quality horror atmosphere. And, and 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 
in the in the Halloween retail world at that time, it was mainly just like Monster Mash compilations and old, you know, soundtracks and and fifties sound effects like loops and stuff. Nobody had ever taken the time to say, "Hey, let's do some really authentically be horror atmosphere that's not hokey." I mean, not that there's nothing wrong with the old stuff. There really isn't, and it's the basis for so much stuff has come since. But it was it was a little cheesy, and and and. Just the haunt industry was taking steps and getting bigger and bigger and more sophisticated and more sophisticated. And the amusement parks were doing these bigger and bigger events. And there wasn't really um, somebody supplying that music for them to use. And and um, and that's where we came in. So uh, when we hit, you know, we were sure to target first and foremost all the haunted houses and all the people that really do elaborate Halloween displays and all of the amusement parks. And we said, Hey, we have this music that we think is going to be good for you because it's just basically orchestral music. Um, but it's really geared towards what you're doing. There's sound effects in it, but it's not like a sound effects disc. It's just the sound effects are helping enhance the music and hopefully will set a great atmosphere for your guests as they're walking through the park or, waiting in queue lines or inside the houses and stuff. And, you know, that's, you know, kind of where we, we hit in 98. We haven't really looked back since then. Just kept plowing forward. Now, that's a really long answer to your question. I, sorry, <laughs> no, that's a, that's I, I ramble. <laughs> I ramble sometimes so much. I apologize. No, that's no, okay. That's all good. Because the music in Crows is truly, it's incredible. And it really does tell a story. And like you were saying, you touched on it earlier, kind of an imaginary film in your head. Um, was that idea kind of wrapped around your music for your listeners to kind of create their own interpretation of the symphonies that you compose? Yeah. You know, that was, that was kind of the goal uh, right from the beginning is to give enough there so it'll inspire a listener, but it doesn't tell them exact things like, you know, we'll set the scene a little bit or we'll suggest certain scenarios or, or characters or whatever, and just kind of let them run with it as they would with their imagination. Um, and, one of the most interesting things we'll hear back from listeners is what they imagine and how, you know, how different it is from maybe what we thought going in. They, you know, they come up with these own, their own scenarios and everything. And it's, that's awesome. It's like, that's the whole idea is to let you kind of run with that. Um, even though, you know, we may have gone into it with, you know, a more specific plan or different images and stuff. It kind of, it doesn't matter. You know, it's just, it's really about inspiring the listeners. The, the, the artwork, the events, the, um, the creation that fellow artists have been able to create uh, while listening to our music has been one of the absolutely most rewarding parts of this entire journey. Um, just being able to inspire a fellow artist, uh, just giving them some background or giving them something to uh, you know set the atmosphere while they work is, is a great uh, is a great it's it's awesome. And when you see what comes out of it from these artists and these uh, and and people like Halloween Horror Nights creative team and stuff like that, it's 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 really it's really awesome. Oh, definitely, yeah, yeah. And I think I think for you guys as well to to, to call you pioneers of the horror music kind of industry, if you will, I think is probably an understatement. I mean, we're reading obviously there's over 15 studio albums, which has your own signature blend of your gothic music, atmospheric soundscapes, for example, and you really have changed the face of Halloween, especially in, I guess, our interest in the theme park industry and haunted attractions in general as well. Oh, thank you. Yeah. 
Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, <laughs> thank you very much. Yeah, um, you know, we we uh, that we were definitely very uh, cognizant of that early on, and um, one of our primary things right out of the gate uh, was to go to the big trans world Halloween haunted attraction show in Chicago, and that's where we, you know, uh, we were very, you know, we were small. Not even a record. I guess you can call us a record label back then, but we were basically just a band, just you know, and going out and and saying, "Hey, we're going to get a uh, a booth at this huge trade show where um, all the theme parks and all the big haunted houses and all the Halloween retailers go, and we're just going to set up there with um, a sound system and play our <laughs> play our music and see see where this can can take us." And it was very exciting that that first year because you know we set up, we started playing the music, and you could just we were right by where they were doing the seminars for the haunted attractions, and uh, and you could see as we were just as they had to walk by us to get to those, and it was just you know quite quite um, very you know fortunate for us, and you just see their you know. Eyes and ears, because eyes pick up and perk up when they heard the, the the music, and they're like, "Oh my God, what is this? What is this?" And we're like, and "This is what we're doing." And and it was just that, and they all filed through, and 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 then that's that's how it all that's how it all it all started. But um, we so because we knew that right away we had to had to go after those haunts and those and the amusement park, the people that are putting together these events, and, and target them and say, "Hey, this is what we have. We what do you?" Think? Hey, yeah, throw. I like that a lot. You just kind of threw it out there. You're like, hey, yeah. you're gonna be here. I'm gonna shove it in your ears. <laughs> you're gonna have to listen to it. Right on. <laughs> Love it. So, first of all, 15 albums, you know, is a, is a testament to the quality that you produce. And I think the word pioneers is very important, as you know, you've really helped shape horn season. And um, what does it mean to you now? And 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 were you always fans of Halloween, or has the love grown as you've been involved in these horns over the years? Yeah, you know, I think for me, Halloween was always my time of the year. I mean, I just loved, you know, fall in general, but then, of course, you know, just all the festivities and stuff and, and seeing kind of like all the decorations come out and everything. Um, you know, it's nice. It's been nice to see the holiday growing, too. Um, there's so much more available now than there was, you know, back in the day, um, not only from the music side of things, but also like props and everything like that. I mean, you'll find you know, these animatronics, I was just at Spirit yesterday, in fact, you know, they're, they're already open for the season and I'm looking around at what they've got out for this year. And it's like, these animatronics, man, this is like commercial grade stuff, you know, some of it is. Uh, and it's just, it's so cool to see that available. If you want to put that in your home haunt, you got it. I mean, that's, it's just really exciting. Uh, but yeah, I just, you know, it was always nice, like, you know, participating in whether it was going to like haunts um, or, you know, like a theme park or whatever. I mean, I guess back in the day, they, this was before they really started doing the the haunted side of theme parks you know um but just being being in the season and everything you know mazes and all that kind of stuff it's always a lot of a lot of fun and i i try and do my best to get out to see as much of that as possible but it does get a bit difficult now you know with uh all the shows and stuff we're doing <laughs> so it's a i guess it's a bittersweet <laughs> thing yeah yeah i yeah halloween always always loved it and uh, my appreciation for Halloween is, yeah, my love for it has, you know, always been there. But yeah, if it's possible to grow anymore, yes, it has. And um, you really, I've really appreciated all the relationships and friendships that we've forged through our association 
with the amusement park and haunted attraction industry. It's something very, very special. And, and um, you know, perhaps, you know, most, you know, most noticeable when we get to go to Trans World every year and just it's like a big family reunion with everybody and coming together and you just realize all these great relationships you've made over the years as you've watched the industry grow. Because, yeah, when we started off, um, the haunt industry and Halloween in amusement parks was quite different. It was still in the early stages. And, yeah, the amusement parks, a lot of times, were ahead of the curve and doing some really amazing things. And there were several, you know, really big haunts at the time doing some stuff equivalent. Um, but a lot, it was just still very small, like JCs getting together and putting together these haunts and, and still learning the ropes and doing it as a complete hobby. And we've, and that's kind of when we came in, people weren't really even thinking about music as much back then. They sometimes they just wouldn't use music at all in their haunts or, you know, they had other things that they were focusing on. They weren't thinking about the music. They, it was more like an afterthought. And so they were just you reusing things from, you know, whatever, like the sound effects cassettes that you can buy at like, you know, at, at your local, whatever, back then, um, your local store. And, and, um, and so what I guess I'm trying to say is we were able to watch this industry grow from that to the point where you started seeing these, these haunts become more sophisticated, the level start to, to, to grow and grow. Then people from the movie industry came in. That was like the next tier up, like where you had people that direct movies and, and special effects companies that work in the film industry. The detail there had to be, you know, it was just it was at the next level. But I'll tell you, in the last like 10, 15 years, we've watched these haunts raise their level of production where a lot of the stuff that you're seeing in some of these haunts is equivalent to what you would see on some of these movie sets and stuff. They're, they're, they're rising. And that's like, it's just a huge... Just an absolutely huge development, and and a lot of these haunts becoming like legitimate big businesses, and um, it's a hard industry, but I mean it's become big money, and um, and uh, and that's a good thing. That means there's an excitement and energy there, and where there is money, um, and it will, uh, you're going to see continued uh, development and continued growth into the future, and that's very exciting. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that as well. Just like you said, the growth of the industry itself. Just think of just Halloween Horror Nights, just for example, the you know the big, big IPs that they are pulling in. Obviously right now is it is a huge thing, but I think people in the haunt industry as well may not realize the amount of work you do, not just, you know, themed attractions, the haunt season. I mean, you've got, you know, your, your name with games and movies and just like noted influencers from yourself, things like James Horner, Danny Elfman, just to name a few. And we also, speaking of the soundtracks, we read that you composed the official soundtrack for the for the D and D game. So, how did that come about, and what was the experience like to use your music on an IP like that? Yeah, that was uh, that was quite a trip. I mean, you know, <laughs> I think both of us were were big gamers. I mean, Dungeons like was my adolescence. That that was like <laughs> I can't imagine having grown up without it and in college and everything. So, to be able to um, not only work with Wizards of the Coast, but on an official Dungeons and Dragons soundtrack was like, you know, mind-blowingly awesome. Because, um, you know, the, the whole thing is you're given a chance to create, you know, music for these classic scenarios and everything, you know, things that you grew up playing. And, you know, here we are kind of trying to represent that and pull pull all the different elements together and 
create something that, you know, another gaming group would be able to use as, as their, you know, background and everything. So it was, um, it was awesome. It was a, it was a big honor too, I'll say. Yeah, and it was so cool because we worked so well with the game creators at Wizards. I mean, the the creative sessions we had with them were like just amazing. Wonderful ideas being thrown back and forth. We were always on the same page with them, um, and that's always that's always nice when you get the chance to work with uh, with a company like that. And everybody's on the same page just makes you feel good. But I'm not I'm not surprised really because. Yeah, like Gavin said, I'm the, I was the same way. Dungeons and Dragons huge for me growing up, absolutely huge, and a huge in, inspiration for the music that I write my entire life to this day. Uh, the images, the adventures that we would go through, totally use that for inspiration uh, when I write uh, any music nowadays. And um, and so yeah, I mean, when we had the chance to do the the first official uh, soundtrack for the game that we love so much that meant so much to us. Yeah. You can't, it, we were geeking out. I, I went, I, I was absolutely geeking out the entire time. I was like, this is great. I had all my Dungeons and Dragons modules laid out on the floor and just like, staring at that imagery when I would write the music. Uh, it was a great, yeah. time, great time. Man. Oh, that's so yeah. fun. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> And it's, it's so funny as well, like Dungeons and Dragons recently has kind of come full circle, right? Because of Stranger Things too, kind of p- pulling it back. Yeah. Oh boy, it's oh, it's so exciting, <laughs> and 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 they, they did a new uh, version of the rules, this fifth edition, which um, uh, for anybody, anyway, they did a revamp of the rules that is so good, absolutely, probably the best version of the game in my opinion, and I love, I've loved it the whole time through. So that really helped. They you know they did they really did their research and 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 made this new version something that really works, and so that helped. And then, yeah, Stranger Things. And now they're doing a movie, uh, you know, you know, which with, you know, big action venture taking advantage of all the new CG opportunities there. And hopefully they do it right, you know, um, uh, with the CG and everything like that. But just, yeah, I mean, you could create some of these creatures that you used to imagine in your head. Well, now you have with CG, if done properly, you can get kind of recreate these. You know, we saw it with, with the Lord of the Rings, you know, uh, films. You can do some pretty amazing things now. Um, uh, and really bring these fantastic creatures to life. So it, it's just, yeah, it's so cool to see how it's it's blowing up right now. Uh, the whole the whole fantasy thing, and especially uh, Dungeons and Dragons. Awesome, awesome. And um, when when we were doing our our research about you guys as well, just a couple of kind of uh, facts and figures as well, which was which was phenomenal. So you have done events and productions from Asia to Europe, United States, and beyond. And I believe. In 2005, we had an industry expert, uh, Lena Pickle, estimated that up to 90% of attractions used in the you know the haunted industry owned at least one Midnight Syndicate album or CD. So you really had your stamp on the haunt season um, already. And um, I did see as well towards the uh, end of 2009, it said three out of the top 10, which is like, so think of the top 10 Halloween discs, three of those were yours. Um, and also we had in 2015, your album Out of Darkness also featuring the top 50 essential horror albums as well, which was just phenomenal. And Yeah, it truly is just amazing to have like albums and discs just reverse you as the best in the industry, just to have almost all the haunts, almost all the haunts to have at least one of your CDs must feel incredible. What does that mean to you guys? And also to be alongside composers like Danny Elfman and John, John Carpenter, how does that just feel? <laughs> yeah, 
you know, the, the funny thing is, like, you know, when you go into doing something, like when we went into making Born of the Night, it was really just done out of love. I mean, it was, like Ed was talking about before, we, we saw that there wasn't something like what we wanted to do. So it was kind of like, well, let's make this thing because we want to make it and hopefully other people will enjoy it. And, you know, I mean, it makes sense that like maybe some haunts and stuff would kind of jump on this and, and, you know, use it and stuff too. But it's really just you kind of being creative and putting your creativity out there and stuff and like hoping for the best. So you you don't know where it's going to go and to see where it went, to like to see other people kind of relating to it and, and, you know, really enjoying it and everything like that. And then the whole thing building and everything, it's just been really, um, you know, kind of uh, incredible. Um, I don't know that I would personally put us on the same level as a uh, Danny Elfman or John Carpenter, uh, but it's that's a tough one because those are like the guys that inspired us. So it's like, I can't, my brain doesn't put, you know, work that way. Like I can't put us on the same level as them, but uh, it, it is <laughs> yeah. very much an honor to be, to have anybody consider us in that same, you know, in the same sentence. Yeah, and look, if you have a Spotify playlist and you have a little bit of Midnight Syndicate and we're sharing time with uh, Danny Elfman and John Williams, I'll take that any day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that that's why we got in, like, that's why I got into this. Like, it was listening to those, you know, the super, for me, it was the Superman, the Star Wars, uh, you know, uh, scores and the Indiana Jones from an early age. And then, of course, all the horror stuff after that. But, I mean, that's the music that, so yeah, if somebody can enjoy both of us and they're, they, they, they have us both on the playlist. That's friggin' phenomenal. And oh it does, gosh, does yeah. not get, it doesn't get old. It doesn't get old. No. Cause it's like, <laughs> you know, as artists, I think we just, you know, we, you know, it's, it's nice to know that people enjoy what you're doing. Uh, it's part of the thing. So yeah, it feels cool. Yeah. Awesome. And, and, and also stepping back before you guys, I guess, formed for lack of a better term, we did read that you Ed uh, composed the horror score for the dead matter. And then you kind of decide to <laughs> dedicate your time to midnight syndicate. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yes yeah, yeah when I, my first project out of uh in college i scored my i would uh, like it was really in oh, sorry in college I, I i focused a lot on film and theater the music was always happening but the, the film and theater i was focused on uh in the stu- in my studies and so my first i would score my student films but my first project out of college was actually a micro a micro budget version of the, the dead matter we shot on Super VHS film, which is an extremely outdated format with like that's super old school and very analog and uh, well, yeah, just really, uh, really old school. Um, but anyway, my favorite part in putting that together was doing the score for it, and um, so a lot of the as it worked out afterwards, you know, I said after that movie was done, and and it was not a financial success, you know it. Uh, again, just you know, the technical limitations were way we're working against it. Um, but we, I took a lot of the, the 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 scoring sessions for that became Midnight Syndicate songs. I said I really want to focus just on the music, and then I'll be able to work that film and theater love back into this project sometime down the line. I said so. I put the hold on the theater and the film and said, look, just do this Midnight Syndicate thing. And a lot of the music from the outtakes from that Dead Matter, that first Dead Matter score would become some of the first Midnight Syndicate songs and a lot of the ones that, you know, uh, Halloween Horror Nights jumped on right away. So, uh, yeah, it, it did, it, that was a, you know, big stepping stone here for, for, for Midnight Syndicate. Uh, even, yeah, that's that. <laughs> <Awesome>. <laughs> 
So how did the working relationship come together? Was it was the genre something you were both passionate about or did it evolve or was it was there a lot of like sort of disagreements early on to find the sort of rhythm and style that you, you portray now? Yeah, you know, actually, the, the funny thing is, we've always been on the same page, like musically and creatively and stuff. I think both Ed and I um, look at what we want to get out of doing this in the same way. Um, so that's been awesome. I mean, because you hear about like, you know, these fights with band and stuff like that. And that's kind of inevitable or the norm and stuff. But I mean, we'll have, you know, we'll have different sides or different different factors to bring into like specific songs and stuff. But as far as like the vision for a, a given album and stuff, we're always like on the same page, which is really awesome. Um, but I actually met Ed, uh, I used to work at a music store locally here and, um, I, I met him as a customer. He came in looking to buy some equipment and we got to talking and he told me about Midnight Syndicate, the first, you know, the first self-titled, uh, recording that he was working on. And I was on his kind of evaluation crew, which, you know, you listen to the mixes and the songs and stuff and kind of, you know, I gave my opinions. I was always more of like a techie guy and stuff. So, um, then I, I went to see the multimedia show that he put together in support of that. And I saw all the horror elements in that. And I said, you know, hey, this is, you know, we got a lot of common ground here creatively. Maybe, you know, maybe this is something that we can kind of like pair up on. And if there's ever an opportunity, you know, I asked him after the show, if you need help with anything, or if you want to do something in the future together, let me know. Cause you know, I, I think, you know, we're both, both have this common ground and stuff. And it was probably like a couple months later uh, that he called me and he said, Hey, I got this thing, this project called Born of the Night. And are you interested? And as soon as I heard the pitch for it, I'm like, Yes, thank you. I am totally on board. It was exactly like what I hadn't been seeing before. And, you know, it just it felt very exciting and, and kind of groundbreaking and everything. And you know, the rest, of they say, was history. We just uh, kind of ran from there. Yeah. I mean, it hasn't stopped since that since that day. Yeah. I uh, Gavin hit everything. You know, it when he said that he was interested, I was very excited because I, he was the keyboard tech at at, at that music store. And Man, he could make the cheapest sounding Casio keyboard sound like the most amazing instrument you've ever heard because he was just so good. You know, he's like, I want that $12 Casio because that sounds amazing. You know, it's like all an illusion. So, Let me just tell you. Yeah, I <laughs> yeah, know. He's just so, so I really looked up to him and I really valued his opinion and his, his, he had so much playing experience and so much, so much brought to the table. Uh, and the coolest thing is I went to go see him do some solo. He was playing at coffee houses back in the time and he was doing a mix of like covers and a couple originals. I didn't know which were which, but then he played this one song that I just fell in love with. I'm like, Oh my God, that is so good. That is like the dream. That's where I would love to take midnight syndicate. Like that's exactly it. And I was like, got to find out who that artist is. I thought it was maybe like a B side of an Alice Cooper, uh, you know, or, or, uh, or something, something, some, some, some sort of obscure Alice Cooper song or something uh, that I had missed along the way. And, and afterwards he said, no, that's an original. And I was like, oh my gosh, that was it. And that was it. I was like, oh my God. Yeah. Uh, please, Gavin, <laughs> let's do this together. And, and, and luckily we were on the same page. We wanted to do it. And, and yes, like he said, we've really always been on the same page creative and we're able to bring our own individual ideas to something because they're not always going to line up, but then together through working out our different opinions, elevate the final product to something better than what we would have been able to do on our own. Yeah. Very true. Awesome. And I know, I know you guys released, you know, quite a lot of studio albums between like 97, 2005, you know, that region. I know we had the multi-award winning 13th hour. Uh, and I think you did your first live music video as well. Um, towards the end, like 2010-ish. And then 
even better, the 14th album, we have Carnival Arcane, which I listened to in the entirety all week. Um, that was 2011. <laughs> and um, this got rave, rave reviews. Uh, and this yeah. actually won the best horror soundtrack of the 10th annual Rondo Hatton Awards, which is just awesome. And we, and we can see that you've provided music and symphonies for a lot of different types of media. What, what are some of the things that maybe feature your music that maybe nobody knows about? Um, I, I'll, I'll throw one out there. Ed, I think you know this better than I do, but uh, the, the coolest one for me is, uh, Ed and I went to see King Diamond on, I think it was the House of God tour. And um, he, was in, he ended up using our music as the, the pre-show music, basically, like before they would come out. And, you know, we're like, oh. we're sitting in the audience and we're hearing like, you know, one of our tracks play. It's like, oh, that's cool. You know, it's in the playlist or whatever. And then another track played and then another track played and we're like, no way. This is like King Diamond's been a huge influence for both of us for, you know, forever. Um, so that was cool. And then we got to meet Andy LaRock uh, after the show. He came out and, you know, talking to us and stuff. And so they had been using uh, the music, you know, for their whole, whole tour. And he was like super awesome. And uh, that was just that's always going to be one of my highlights. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, you might, I would say the places where people would, it's, we find it every once in a while we hear it and it's just the kind of, uh, that's the kind of cool thing. I can't, I'm trying to think if there's a place where people have, didn't know that it was our music in the background. I mean, I suppose you could almost say most people probably wouldn't know it. Like when they, the music, because I don't know, just because it's instrumental and stuff like that. I would say that most of the time our music appears in places. People wouldn't know that it's necessarily us. Um, now it helps with Shazam. That helps a little bit because now people hear a song playing, you know, throughout the park or something and it can just put on Shazam and go, oh, that's the track. Cool. <laughs> Find the nearest speaker. But, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've done it before too, just to test it too. I hold up like, oh yeah, it's good. It's catching. So it's good. Um, but I think... Um, you know, I think that the, the the haunt industry. I'm just thinking if there's a time. Where, you know, we people will be surprised to know that our music is used a little bit as pre-show and outro music for different artists, like the Misfits. Like Misfits used it. Misfits used it as the outro music for every show. When they were done playing, they'd slap on our music and they'd come out to meet the crowd. And they did it so much that when they recorded their live album, uh, you actually hear our music kick on after they're done playing in the crowd and the music's played. So um, they said, Hey, we got this recording. Can we, can we use this on the live album? We're like, yeah, absolutely. So um, I, that was kind of a cool moment for us as well. And, and, and so I guess, I don't know. I'm just trying to think of, I'll get back to that later. I'm going to think if there's any other cool places that people <laughs> would not know that our music's been used, but it, it has, uh, there was a, a couple TV shows here and there and stuff like that. Uh, but yeah. Oh, I'm going to think about that one. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> awesome and just to kind of continue with the, with your guys history uh as well i know with um a bit with a collaboration uh with um destiny beard as well we also i know we did the score um to axe giant and monsters of legend for the hammer and euro horror was just fantastic i listened to that also and that's quickly become one of the most popular cds today in the actual industry and i promise i'm not trying to massage your egos or anything but we also have more awards um, we have Fionette's top 10 horror albums. We've also got another CD winning uh, best album at Rondo Hatton Classic Horror Awards again. So you're still, you're still knocking it out of the park, especially with these awards as well. Oh my gosh, yeah. And with that collaboration, is there any challenges kind of working with somebody else's mind rather than creating your own music or album? 
Yeah, you know, I mean, I think, um, especially in the case of like a movie, um, your your music is kind of serving the needs of the movie. Uh, where when we do an album on our own, it's it's its own thing. You know, we can kind of do whatever we want, and there's nobody kind of over us to say, hey, that's not right for this. It's really us. You know, if, if we don't think a song works well in the context of a given theme or whatever, it's really up to us to cut it or to keep it or to modify it or whatever. But when you're working on a movie, um, you know, the 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 movie comes first. <laughs> you know, it's like the music is just an element of the entire experience. So if you know you've got this great melody and you know it doesn't really work in the context of a scene or in the movie in general or whatever. It's like, well, that comes first. I mean, you have to kind of cut it and, and kind of go with whatever is needed. You know, you're, you're more like kind of working at the discretion of um, like the director and everything else. Um, but mm-hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. We, we, I feel we've been pretty fortunate with the people that we've collaborated with. I think it's um, doing your best to vet those people from the very beginning and making sure that you can work together. Um, and sometimes that, that works and sometimes it doesn't, but for us, fortunately it has, it has worked, um, uh, you know, very, uh, you know, good friends with, with the directors, uh, of the films that we've scored. We know their work, we have that relationship. And so we kind of can anticipate what they want. Uh, and then on the destiny beard thing, that was fantastic because she, she approached us as a fan who had literally just taken some of our music and layered her voice over top singing over top of it. And we said, boy, that sounds really, really great. I think that some Midnight Sand fans would like to hear that song and maybe some other ones with you putting, you know, add some lyrics and, and, and do that. And that's where the two Destiny Beard albums came from. And people really seem to enjoy them just as a little uh, diversion there. And that was very easy because really she handed all the lyrics and the vocal parts. And we just, had, you know, supplied the music and then, of course, uh, worked uh, on the, the mixing and mastering on that side. So, yeah, it was very easy easy project to, to collaborate on stuff and um yeah so like i said working with dungeons and dragons on the same page so it was fantastic working with halloween horror nights and again we could talk about that but on the same page so it goes smoothly and uh we're very fortunate for that awesome and then just kind of touching on other haunts just in general as well i know we had um your um you know featured or featured music at we had alton towers scare first and thought park fright now it's over in the uk but one one big thing i was reading was the cedar point uh one their their halloween weekends and i think you featured for the first time with that 18th annual uh you had your midnight syndicate live the legacy of shadows and you kind of you kind of put into a whole trilogy of you know of, of performances uh if you will and that led up uh, to the 20th anniversary of halloween weekends um and that their, their vp as well is quoted saying working with these industry leading music producers on a live show is an exciting prospect and the final product is going to amaze. And I think just given the fact this actually led to record breaking attendances for how the weekends is definitely, you know, just shows and proved an incredible um, success. Um, and I know the most recent iteration, I think was 2019 that intrigued me the most because it was likened by one of yourselves, I believe to a, sort of a production and ambience of like the twilight zone, which was, which is one of your influences as well, which is pretty neat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That was a big, you know, um, a big step, step for us, uh, to go live after all these years. Uh, we, it was kind of full circle for me. Just, I only mentioned this because we talked about the dead matter earlier. Oh, and we did do the dead matter over again in 2007, that, that, that micro budget movie, we remade it with a budget. 2008 and released it in 2010 so people could check out that new that new version uh now um but 
the cool thing is with the changes in the industry and everything like that, Gavin and I knew that we got to put together some sort of live show, but it couldn't just be the two of us up there performing on keyboards. It had to be a full immersive multimedia show. So we went back to the the concepts from the very first that those those first multimedia live shows that Gavin mentioned that how we met and everything way back in 97 98 and um and developed a show that really brings in a whole lot of elements. Uh, a Midnight Syndicate concert that is a show, and it's got a story, and there's a lot of elements going on. And and we did it at Cedar Point that year. That was amazing. And and 2019 was amazing too because then we started taking it in different directions. Uh, we did do the show in 2021, and we have a brand new show in 2022 that we're doing there for their 25th anniversary. Uh, that's our hometown. That that's that that park's really close to us, and we have a really long relationship with them um, as well. And so uh, it it makes a lot of sense. And we we've done some great stuff. And Gavin, I'm sorry, you want to? I mean, you probably have some. No, some no, that's cool. on that. You know, the funny thing is, um, I've never felt that we were like working for Cedar Point doing these shows. It's always been working with them because uh, they're very much uh, a creative partner in. Uh, we've learned a lot from them. I'm sure you know they've probably learned a, a, something from us, hopefully at least. But um, you know, in terms of putting together shows that really work well in that setting, like for an amusement park in the theaters that we've you know had the shows in, um, there's a lot of things that you can do, things that maybe don't work as well, and considerations and stuff to make it a really really immersive experience. Uh, and they have been absolutely fantastic every time we've worked with them uh, to to make that happen. So, and it's also been really nice to vary up the shows from year to year as well. Um, we've been able to get kind of, you know, we've had a creative freedom uh, with what we were doing each year and we've changed it up each year. So returning audiences, it's not the same old show. It's not the same songs even. I, you know, I'm a kind of a stickler for that. I'm like, we got, we've got too many songs in our library. We've got to bring some new material here, you know? Um, but yeah, it's, you know, we'll try out different things and kind of push the envelope in our own ways. And uh, it's really exciting to see the reactions of the audience, like what lands with them and what doesn't, you know, we, I don't, I guess we haven't had too many huge misses, right? And I, I hope we haven't had any, uh, that, that, that I've no, known about yeah. at least. Um, but yeah, yeah it's just, it's I don't cool want to jinx see. It. What's that? I don't want to jinx it, but yeah, no, yeah, it's no, been really, it's like, it's been, knock on yeah. wood. Uh, and yeah. no spoilers, of course, you know, the shows are kind of like, you have to kind of be there and stuff. It's a very, it's a very, uh, like for all of the senses, it's not just us playing up on a stage. Like Ed was saying, it's not just film. It's a lot of things. So yeah, it's been, it's been fantastic. So you've already touched on, on what I was about to ask there. And um, we already know that, that a lot of haunts and Halloween events, you know, around the world, cause we know you've, you've touched, you know, not just in the United States. And um, what is the challenge to like sort of cater to each individual event because they're so different what what challenges do you do you have on how to create the music or pick the music based on each event it's a it's a good question and and i'll I'll tell you it's part of it comes from when we decide to tackle a theme we really focus on that theme that that world that we're trying to create and and that does allow for a little bit of direction and you know there are as you walk down that path, like for Carnival Arcane, for example, when we, we decided we we're going to tackle the carnival theme, and when you walk down that path, in the back of your mind, you realize this is not going to work for a whole, for, for everybody. This is, you know, but I, I guess by focusing on the theme of the album and focusing on the world we want to create, 
while in the back of your mind, keeping in mind how it might be used uh, in the in an event or how that you know how that's going to play in is probably why we've been able to 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 do to keep a level of consistency that you know works through over the various albums and can work at various events no matter where they are it certainly helps that our music is instrumental um because there are no borders with the with the lang- no language barriers no lyrics or anything like that 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 offers a timeless quality to it that definitely allows us um to get out there um i think you know just keeping in mind what we're trying to do for the world usually and and, and with the back of the mind of the events that we're trying to have this music work generally has served us well I don't know awesome. if that answers your question. Does that did that answer your question? Yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. Okay. Awesome. It's, there's, you know, when you're doing things, certain things, it's just you're, there's going to be some that are just not going to. But you can't. It's kind of like if you try and please everybody, then you know you're not going to have something that's going to work. So we kind of early on had to say, hey, there's going to be. That's why when when people talk to about the event and and what 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 music should I use, we can usually direct them to a series of discs or series of music or, or, you know, write something for them uh, because, uh, you know, there is so much and, you know, uh, based on the needs, you know, there's going to be a certain segment of our library that's going to work for them and, and a certain seg- segment of our library that's not. Yeah. And I believe what's, it, what's important as well, I believe in 2015, reading the Outer Darkness album uh, was, was in the top 50 essential horror albums of all time oh. so it's just really standing the test of time you know it your makes, music <laughs> that that was the greatest i, I, I love, i'm a, such a huge fan of room org magazine it's a great horror magazine they started about the same time that we did and they covered everything they didn't cover just horror films they will cover they will cover uh, you know literature and music and and go and, and hauntings and uh the haunted house industry even and and they cover it all and and when they went and they said, hey, we're going to pick the 50 most influential like horror, horror music uh, discs. And I mean, we were, you know, the horror music discs, you know, you're talking Black Sabbath, Alice Cooper, mm-hmm. Halloween, you know, we were in there. And to have us featured in that list or considered like that. Um, yeah, one, certainly one of the highlights of this uh, of this journey for me, especially as a fan of that magazine, because they really know their stuff. So it, it meant a lot uh, to get that nod. Yeah, and and also and twenty fifteen, I think as well for you was a uh, a good year, and I think a, a unique one for in terms of your own music because we did have the Christmas a ghostly gathering, um, which I didn't know at the time. I've listened to it um, since, um, and you know it's I guess your your own unique twist on classic holiday carols mixed with your music, and this album has received you know critical acclaim in the industry also. And this album, Christmas A Ghostly Gathering, is very clever, giving a new twist or take on holiday tracks with the genre you typically create. Do you think it's crucial to keep evolving and honing your craft to offer something different, but still keep your, you know, your usual stamp on it? Yeah, I, I think we've always tried to do that no matter what we're like what album it is, you know, uh, what theme it's it is. Uh, but Christmas was uniquely challenging because everybody already knew a lot of the most of the songs on it. I mean, they're very familiar. So one of the things that we said right off the bat is we don't want to go into this, you know, simply transposing everything into like a minor key and playing it on pipe organ. That's just not going to be anything that we're going to want to stand behind. You know, it's not, it's not that interesting, you know? So 
it was really the challenge was balancing the lighter elements and keeping, you know, kind of rooted in the fact that these are holiday songs, you know, uh, with bringing into, you know, in our own darker elements and everything and doing that in a way that that served each song. So there are certain songs that aren't really that dark, like Carol of the Bells, for example. Uh, but something like say on on the ho- up on the housetop is go for the throat like you know evil laughs and all this kind of stuff. So it's, it really depends on the song, like what you can get away with and stuff. But I think the end result of that was something that we were both very proud of. It's it's a good balance. I, I call it darkly beautiful. It's it's you know a good blending of kind of light and darkness. Totally one of my favorite albums we've ever done. I absolutely love, it. and it was so much fun researching it. Um, when you're trying to do like a horror themed Christmas album, you don't have to look too far. I got a big, I got a book, big book out of a library that just went through the celebration of Christmas uh, around the world. And when you really start getting into the to, to many of the traditions of the of the holiday season and a lot of the darker sides of you know. Uh, and 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 the the, the inter- and how important the the paranormal and ghost stories were to uh, the, the the Christmas holiday. It, it it makes it very interesting, and it's a great source for inspiration if you're doing something like a little bit creepier on that. Because it's there's a lot of like uh, you know the the German uh, Krampus. I mean, yeah, I mean if you were a bad kid, that's they like Santa's going to give you stuff. But if you're a bad kid, Krampus is going to pick you up. Put you in his like his sack and either like hit you with, hit you with sticks or just pull you and take you away and you're gone. <laughs> and there's like one in Finland, I believe, in Finland or oh, is it Finland or Iceland where that you'd eat the there if you were bad, you had to be ca- careful because uh, she would come down the chimney and eat you. Yeah, there's like a. Uh, I w- I'm doing such a bad job telling these stories. Oh, but just if you start really digging into some of the wonderful uh, folklore of Christmas around the world, it's really fascinating and it's really cool and interesting. And if you're a horror buff, um, there's plenty in there that you can uh, easily imagine and take to the next level for sure. Yeah, and what what uh, one of my favorite guys was um, in the summer, the middle of 2021. I know the first live album, the Live Shadows which features some of your unreleased material and new versions of your classic songs uh, perform live. Um, so what we'll do, we'll link in our show notes and in our social media, the the actual YouTube playlist, because it really is phenomenal. And what you guys were kind of elaborating to where it's, you, you're trying to you know create a story for your own interpretation. So I think, it, I think if you're a Midnight Syndicate fan, definitely watch this um, so you can put your own stamp or own interpretation on it as well and then we also had uh bloodlines your mini album uh which was a pre was it the prequel to 13th hour i believe um yeah it took us yeah. further in yeah it took us further into that kind of mythos there mm-hmm. very nice to get back into right into the studio it had been a while since we had done that yeah <clears throat> especially for 2021 being like right after the pandemic so it seemed to be a great year for you guys um were there any difficulties if any that you had during this time and did you do anything differently to kind of help shape a more successful 2021? Yeah. So the, the trick with going into 2021 is a lot of our plans were still um, kind of up on the, up in the air. Um, you know, we had, we had typically heard back early uh, in the year from Cedar Point, if we were going to be playing a show there in the fall, but because of everything coming off the pandemic and stuff, they just didn't know. They didn't know if they were going to be able to open up the theaters again and such. So there was that prospect like, okay, we might do a, a live show. 
but then we're thinking, okay, well, what if we don't do a live show? What, what do we fill the rest of the year with, you know, and stuff. Um, and the idea for live shadows came up pretty quickly that, Hey, this is a good proxy for a live show. If we can't do one, why don't we pull together or see if we can pull together the recordings that we did. And these recordings were actually made just for our purposes, like for rehearsals and stuff. Uh, thankfully by some stroke of the universe's luck or something, uh, the recording quality was good enough uh, that we could kind of use everything. And it turned out really, really well once we mastered it and everything. Um, but, you know, we pulled that together figuring, okay, here's, here's for everyone that couldn't make it out to a Cedar Point show. Maybe you've lived, you know, in another country or just too far away or whatever. And for our fans that did make it out to the shows, this is kind of like something for you. At the same time, we were thinking, okay, we haven't had new material out for a while. Why don't we try and work on something? You know, like, let's do maybe an EP instead of a full-length album. And that's the idea for Bloodlines came up. You know, the, the natural first go-to thought was... 13th Hour, one of our favorite albums. You know, there's a lot of story that could be explored there. Maybe let's do a little backstory to it. Um, so that's where that came about. And the funny thing is, we went in uh, into Bloodlines immediately after the production for Live Shadows. Like literally, you know, I was mastering Live Shadows here, and I don't even think it was the next week. It was like the next day. It's like, okay, get all the tracks cleared off, and we're going going right into Bloodlines. You know, it, the tr- the songs had already been written at that point, and everything, and it was literally just like switch gears and off we go, you know, cause, cause of the deadlines and stuff to get it out. And then in between all of that, we found out from Cedar point that they did want us to come back. We would have a 2021 show, but they wanted to just, you know, kind of revisit one of our previous years, which we thought was great because, you know, the, the pressure is not on us in, in such a short amount of time to try and come up with something really, you know, captivating and, and, you know, and innovative and stuff. Um, you know, usually that takes quite a while between developing the story and some new ideas for, what to kind of do with it. So we were glad to just revisit uh, a show that was really, really popular um, and kind of bring some new elements in. So if you had been there before, it's not like you're going to see the same exact thing over again. We have to vary it up a little bit, you know, give you, give you something new. Uh, So yeah, that 2021 was kind of a blur in a way because of that. It was all back to back. It was like one project, next project, next project, you know? So. And then, of course, on top of all that, you have um, the fact that we te- they test- we tested the hollow- music of Halloween Horror Nights in 2020, and and we were like, oh, we've you know, like we we, we got to put this out again in 2021, and um, which we were very excited about. We got you know we're going to get some different artwork, get it some different formats for it, and we were like, that's so great, let's do that. And then uh, finally getting down there for a signing last year, which was very. Very, very cool. I mean, take that and throw it. I mean, just like everything happened in 2021 for us. And it was a quite difference because 2020, we were all in. We were we had plans with Halloween Horror Nights on that 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 first vinyl record that we did, that music of Halloween Horror Nights and Cedar Point. We were all in. Like that was what our plans were. And that just dropped off. So 2020 became this big gaping hole. <laughs> and uh, we just we just over like in 2021, we just got oh. Oh, we've never done that much. We've never, ever done that, that much stuff in one year uh, in our, uh, now in my professional career, nothing even close to what we did last year. That was just crazy. Fun. No, no complaints. But crazy <laughs> yeah. a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Yep. <laughs> well, that, a nice little segue actually, because just kind of talk about Halloween Horror Night. So just to kind of truncate the history uh, a little bit first, before we let you guys, you know, take the floor, you know, you, you first featured at HHN 9, the last gasp event. And, you know, you're still featured uh, to this day. You know, the themes you use in you know, the Haunted Mazes, Scare Zones, websites, you know, the entrance, area music, it's just literally 
everywhere. And there's some of us here, we've been going to the event now for close to 20 years. So we've literally kind of grown up with your influence, you know, all over this event. Oh, it's <laughs> <Wow>. awesome. <laughs> it's awesome. Okay. Sorry, I'm going to interrupt you, Hunt, with you. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it, I'll tell you, it's working with Halloween Horror Nights, absolutely one of the, another one of the highlights of this journey. Uh, there's no two ways about that. Uh, when Gavin and I started out, we, you know, knew that this music was really resonating with, we really knew we had something. And, and so the point was, we were going to go, we are going to go, what's the, what's the biggest event? What's the biggest Halloween haunted event in the world? You know, we have to reach out to them. And, and that's kind of how Halloween Horror Nights, you know, that, that relationship started. I believe that we met Adrian LaPeltier uh, at Trans World. I thought it might have been in, I might have been that, I think it was that, it was that first year. And then I was down in Orlando for a vacation and I went down to visit him. Um, and then, and we just talked and, because um, he really loved what, what we were doing. And that's, that's how things, you know, first, first started. He said, I'm going to be using this music a lot because I really love the atmosphere creating. And I think it's a great fit for what we're, we're building here. And I mean, uh, honestly, come on, having grown up going to Universal Studios, uh, first in California as a little kid, and then later on Orlando, um, it, it is a thrill to walk into a park and to hear your music being played on the on the on the speakers. Um, when this is a park that I mean, when you're growing up, it's just you know you're in such awe of the place, and and still today I am when I walk through, but like. I don't know. There's a magic, you know, there, you all know it. I don't have to tell you, you know, there's a magic about, about, about that place. And, um, you carry that with it as a child and then you go to be able to produce something and then to actually work with them and, and then be able to go there and actually hear it. it. One of the, again, another one of the highlights of, of this musical journey for, for Gavin. And, uh, but yeah, that's, that's how it started. And then, you know, it was, it was about just, you know, communicating it, you know, and seeing where, where things were going. So. Awesome. So you've, you've pretty much answered the next question I was going to ask, which was how the, the relationship started. So I just wanted to get on a little side tangent about the vinyl. Um, I'm in the UK and with, with the travel ban, I wasn't able to, to fly over to Orlando like I do every year for Horror Nights. Um, oh. And I was so sad when the, the vinyl got announced that it was in-store only limited to 500 copies but luckily one of the guys managed to pick me one up and, and ship it to the uk and it arrived safely um and i've also got the second version of the vinyl as well oh, uh, nice. i missed out on the third one i missed out on the picture disc but i do own um the, the first two which i absolutely love and i pretty much play them every morning with a cup of coffee without fail uh, <laughs> nice. that's i mean how it that's it that's that's absolutely incredible. Yeah, putting that together was a labor of love for sure. Um, TJ and I, had, we, we'd actually talked about doing that album a while back. Um, we said, well, we got to do this. Uh, TJ and Rick and Rick Spencer. And we were like, uh, let's... There was a lot of times where we were really close to doing it. And then there just came a point where we're like, let's wait till the 30th. You know, this is a special moment where we're looking back. And, and we said, you know, and it made sense. And so... Uh, we were very excited. Yeah, obviously. I mean, that was 20, we were all geared up 
for 30 and, it, and you know, I mean, COVID kind of like really messed things up, but you know, still, um, yeah, it, it was really be awesome to be able to put together this, this record that, that, that featured the artwork it was just so important to, like taking all these iconic characters and putting them all together in this amazing packaging where you can open up and just go back and the same, the second album was the same, more of these iconic characters thrown in there, you know, put in there. And and to have the music, uh, you know, available for people to listen to, and um, and of course the custom music that we did for Halloween Horror Nights that's never been released before, having an opportunity to share that with people and get that out there, it was it was very exciting. Um, Universal controlled the release of the album, so that's why we have you know uh, why five hundred, you know why this much because that's you know that's this that's what they you know they decided they wanted to do and stuff like that. So. Um, and we're, 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 we're cool with that, you know, but, um, yeah, I, I, sometimes I, I bring that up cause I feel bad for the people that weren't able to get there or get, you know, a copy of that, the copy of the, uh, the album and stuff like that, but we'll see what happens in the future for those people that were not able to, to get their hands on one because we realize that everybody has, you know, it's hard for people to get, uh, sometimes so obviously. Yeah. No, I mean, you, you guys as well, you featured pretty much every year in some form or another. In, you know, including, you know, maze and scare zones that we just talked about. But I think one biggest influence or stamp you've had on an event for me personally would be Halloween Horror Nights 15 with the Land of Terror, Cruentus, uh, which the premise was, you know, the Terror Queen ruling over uh, a land and each area had its own story, including your music to go with it. Also, Halloween Horror Nights 17, Carnival of Carnage. You know, we had building the Carnival and Carnival of Carnage were both used to set the scene. And these are just, these are just a minute example of you know all your tracks that have been used, and I just want to give one shout out to my favorite track, a Grizzly Reminder, uh, from Sweet Sixteen. I think it's just the way you incorporate that music is just it's just phenomenal and just it just fits so well. Oh, oh, thank you. That's Gavin, man. <laughs> <laughs> I got nothing. Nice. Uh, no, that's awesome. Fantastic. Yeah, no, it it uh, it yeah, and yeah, and, and it was very cool. And honestly, the music that Gavin wrote for uh, Carnival of Carnage was the first time that we had written custom music straight up for an event, stuff like that. So that was a really uh, cool, uh, a cool moment for, for for us to do that. Yeah, it was a very right. like a, a very easy. I just remember them. I mean, it was a number of years ago, but I remember them being like just super easy to work with and stuff. And um, you know, right away they kind of liked the basic idea and thought it fit with you know the theme and everything. So just kind of kind of ran with with it in the direction I was kind of already going in. So this question kind of ties in then. Uh, HHN used some of your tracks you've already produced for certain mazes and zones, but for an event like Tales of Terror, Terra Cruentis, where it's more intricate, do you guys liaise with HHN to create new music specifically for the event? And how does that process work? Well, yeah, Gavin, maybe you can tell a little bit about, like, yeah, your process for, for, for Carnival, for, for the Carnival. I, well, you know, I, I think that was, that was one of those, uh, times in life where it was like, it kind of got sandwiched in between other things that I was like working on. So like my memories yeah. are very sketchy, uh, of, of, of that. I think it was like 15 years ago, but like I said, it's just, it was, it was really straightforward. They kind of gave me the general idea of what they wanted and stuff what the theme was and everything. And, um, and I just kind of, I kind of ran with it and stuff, but, uh, full disclosure here. So this is kind of an exclusive and I, I'm sure I'm quite sure. It is a violation of multiple um, horror industry and fan laws. But my first time to HHN was actually last year. I had not never been down there before. 
before we did an in-store uh, for 2021. So, uh, yes, that was that was a thing. Yeah, the uh, I will say the thing that the thing that 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 works so well is when you have when you have common ground with creative types and you have a common vision the things that you're able to create together are are really quite quite extraordinary and that i'm not always going to stand because i think that's that's the case and and i think with the the collaborations that we've done with halloween horror nights that's always been that's always been the case and uh it was very flattering for us to read the liner notes that tj gave because it's the all it's always the stuff that the creative team there told us but i don't know when you have it in print and somebody actually says it in a quote uh, it means the world to you and um it's what you know rick and tj would always say is hey in our studios here and they would take us take me for tours and stuff there um there we go we have your music playing either throughout the entire <laughs> The entire room or at everybody's cubicle, you can just hear Midnight Syndicate music playing. And this is what we use to keep the atmosphere consistent when we're developing these mazes, when we're developing our plans for the next year. And, um, you know, I, 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 you know, I was the main, the primary liaison between Midnight Syndicate and Halloween Horror Nights. So I was down there quite a lot. And over the years, I mean, First, when I first went down there, the creative team was in a uh, trailer, like uh, right off the bag. It was just like a, one of those portable mobile trailers, all sandwiched in in there. Uh, that that first year when I went to see Adrian, uh, and so and I actually got to see their space grow and, and become more. You know, uh, uh, I don't know. You just see you see the department grow and, and like the number of people there and the number of resources and until you know. The more more recent place, which is just an amazing place filled with uh, all these props and images uh, from Halloween Horror Nights uh, uh, from the entire history. And just being around that as a creative person inspires you when you're creating your next thing. It's no different than uh, what they do with the creative team by by surrounding themselves with images of Halloween Horror Nights past and iconic imagery that will spark their imagination and music um, is no different than what I did for the Dungeons and Dragons album when I took all those modules and laid them out on the floor and used that imagery to inspire my creative process. Well, that, that's what they do uh, over there in their, in their workshop. And it's a pretty cool place. And uh, we, I get, I get, I get how they were able to use the music and, 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 when you do that, then it's very easy to collaborate because they can say, yeah, this is what we're thinking. Like when they're talking to Gavin about that track, they're like, yeah, this is what we're thinking. And, and they, they pulled up one of our songs and uh, they were like, yeah, we're going to be doing all these different iconic characters. So we need one section that represents Leatherface and the other one needs to you know, represent Jason. And how can you take these different things and put them together in this overarching carnival theme? And Gavin, because he's, he's brilliant. Was yeah. able to to do that. I feel like on that <laughs> on that that track. Uh, but um, you know, when you have a common ground, you can do great things together. Um, and and not a lot has to be said. And sometimes, long answer. I'm watching. <laughs> I am watching the audio file of this being recorded because see, we're watching this on, and I and I see the little the bar graph, and I've been talking like forever here now. So I apologize so much. <laughs> well, no, I'm, I'm so glad because you. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like, like shut up, Ed. Like, like when the know. music starts playing on the, was it the Grammys yeah. or whatever, yeah. they're, they're trying yes. to get you off stage. Uh, yes, I'm waiting to hear that. I'm waiting to hear, like, suddenly Grizzly Reminder comes in, like, oh, okay, Ed, that's great. Thanks so much. We'll catch you next time. Goodbye. <laughs> Oh, God. I'm, it's, it's kind of a nice segue, actually, because I know you mentioned TJ Manorino. And I mean, I mean, TJ and Rick Spencer are two of my favorite people who've been involved uh, with the event. I mean, Legendary Truth is one of my favorite, you know, concepts. They've come oh. up with, you know, original concepts. Oh, you're in, um, you're in for a good time then. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And uh, your your um, Legendary Truth theme is just so synthy. I just love that track. Um, but anyway, I did, you mentioned it, but I did want to read the quote out from TJ that was in the notes from the vinyl. And it just, you know, it just emphasizes how much, um, you know, of an impact you had on the event. But the quote says, it is difficult to overemphasize how much the music of Midnight Syndicate played in the historic success of Halloween Horror Nights. Our art and design team drew inspiration from various tracks from many of the albums as we envisioned, created and produced early websites, attractions, scare zones and haunted houses. Those same sounds wafted through the event itself and embedded in the powerful sound systems employed Universal Park's proof of the invaluable contribution is evident in this compilation of memorable cuts. To this day, Midnight Syndicate music wafts through our design studios as we imagine worlds to come. So I think for you guys, if there was ever a Halloween Horror Nights Hall of Fame, I think you guys will be first ballot, no question. So I mean, what, what does it mean to have your legacy cemented in the world's premier Halloween event? So so here's the thing. I mean, you know, for, for me... Last year being my first year down there and stuff, I still, I always knew it was like the premier, you know, place to be and stuff. It was always one of those things that's on the the bucket list of like, hey, maybe one day I'll get down there and finally be able to see this place and stuff. And serious, serious shout out to TJ. Um, he took us on a, basically a personal tour of all the haunts. And I was just floored by that, that he would, you know, be gracious enough with his time uh, to do that. Uh, but imagine seeing like all the haunts in one fell swoop, you know, for me, that was like, it was kind of overwhelming. I walked into the first one. I'm like, Whoa, okay, wait a minute. Like, is this the way all of them are going to be? And yeah, pretty much that's the way that they're all like super high caliber. And, um, so, you know, it's one of those things that like, even though I don't have as much personal history, uh, with the park itself, uh, as, as Ed did and stuff, it's still, it's a huge thing to be affiliated with universal HHN. It's got such a long legacy. It's got such a huge fan base and such a dedicated fan base um, that, you know, you can't help but just be, you know, humbled by that and appreciate it. No, it's, it's absolutely true. And, and yeah, I mean, Gavin and I work on a lot of projects together. And, and, and so the fact that I was the liaison between, you know, Midnight Syndicate and Halloween Horror Nights, I was the one that was down there all the time. Doesn't really, didn't really have to, it didn't really impact much because Gavin and I work like this on, on, on a whole lot of things like that's why we're a team um you know he can start playing me things i'm going oh yeah that's gonna fit like we worked together when he was creating the carnival of carnage uh original music and when we do these different things because i'm able to convey to him you know uh you know the vibe and stuff like that that we're going for we have conversations we have creative conversations and stuff and i think my history with the park really allows me you know to you know, kind of convey those ideas to him and, and get everything on track and stuff. So um, I just wanted to clarify that before, because uh, we were talking about that and just how we work. Um, but I will say that certainly being a part of Halloween Horror Nights and being in that legacy, as you mentioned, which is very, very kind of you is um, 
it really truly is one of the highlights of the Midnight Syndicate experience. It has been and continues to be. Um, it is, it was, you know, a park that I was in awe of growing up. And now you're a part of that legacy. I mean, uh, it's hard to put into words how that feels sometimes. Um, and one of the things that I'll say is that it, the fan base for Halloween Horror Nights is so passionate. And that's so, it's so amazing. And that drives you even, makes, drives you even farther. Like, I always say the Midnight Syndicate fan base, we really owe so much to them. They really are one of the most amazing fan bases because we never got commercial radio airplay. Uh, so if you've heard of Midnight Syndicate, it is either because of an event because of like Halloween Horror Nights, or it is because one of our fans turned you on to the music or a haunted house was playing it. And somebody said, what's that? And they go, oh, that's Midnight Syndicate. Because we never got commercial radio airplay and we are never a label. So I always feel like our fans are so amazing. I feel the exact same way about Halloween Horror Nights fans because they're so passionate. You go through the archives uh, and, and the wiki and just see all the research that people have done, how passionate they are. And, and it's an amazing world that they create there that you can really lose yourself in. Um, and so uh, to be able to uh, create something that resonates with the Halloween Horror Nights fan base, to be a part of that, they're just so passionate, they're so passionate about, that means, again, another reason why that means the world, uh, world to me. Fantastic. And what we also wanted to talk about with you guys is the um, a new opportunity that's obviously featured on your website as well, which is the Legions of the Night fan community. It was relaunched in May of this year and celebrating 25 years you know, of Midnight Syndicate. So it's going to be the primary place for merch, giveaways, you know, private community between fans like you just mentioned, you know, behind the scenes stuff, live streams, etc. So we, what we're going to do as well is link this um, in our show notes on the socials. Uh, we also watch the video YouTube did uh, to welcome in, you know, Legions of the Knights fans yeah. as well and nice. giving away copies of uh, volume one of Legions of the Knights, the best of album, yeah. um, which is fantastic. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's really cool. We just, we, we asked all of our fans, what's your favorite Midnight Syndicate songs? And we ran this poll for a very long time and accumulated the top 13 as voted on by the fans. And we put together on this little Legions of the Night uh, best of album that we're giving away if you join Legions of the Night. Um, and it's just, yeah, it's our fan community. It's where we're going to be able to share cool stuff be that's going on behind the scenes, music before it's released, and a whole bunch of other stuff. Um, and, uh, and and certainly, we have some really cool things happening at Halloween Horror Nights that I, I mean, we're going to ask what's about, because we have some really cool, we have a really cool thing coming up. Interesting. <laughs> yes. So, uh, okay, so we, there's going to be, an, and you mentioned Legendary Truth earlier. So you are going to be thrilled with this. We, starting this year, uh, at, uh, at, the, at, the, I believe at the opening of, the, of, of, Halloween, uh, of, of, of Halloween Horror Nights, um, we're going to be putting out another album. It's going to be called Legendary Truth, and it's a very special album. Um, the first section, uh, the first side of this album, is going to feature music that inspired various legendary truth clans and gives a little bit of information about those different uh, groups uh, with voiceovers by Rick Spencer. Uh, 
obviously we all know. Um, and what makes it bittersweet is that Rick passed away this year. So um, this is, it's a bittersweet release for us right now. Uh, and we're still, we haven't released it yet. I think when we actually get to release, it's going to hit home a little bit much because Rick was such a huge, uh, a, a huge part of the creative team at Halloween Horror, Horror Nights for so long. Uh, and he's really going to be missed. Uh, but this will be his, one of his last projects uh, that he did. And um, so to be part of that is going to be special. But uh, that's what that. And then the second half of the album is going to, it's called Case Files. And it's going to feature all this absolutely never before released audio and clips. Um, we'll just say this clips from the Halloween Horror Nights uh, archives, deep in the archives, never released before stuff. And, um, but stuff that people will be familiar with if they've been following the websites and Halloween Horror Nights for the time. So, uh, we're very excited about this. If you're a fan of Legendary Truth, it's a must have. And I think if you're a fan of Halloween Horror Nights and you want to have a piece of that history, um, that's, that's it. So, uh, I believe it's going to be limited to 2,000 copies. Uh, Gavin and I are going to head down there, they're going to hold, hold at least 300 copies. Uh, for our signing that we're going to be doing down there. We're heading back down again, yep. I think, on October. Let me check. Let me check. Oh. Oh, why am I so... <laughs> oh, my gosh. You hear that slapping around my, my, my planner? <laughs> so sorry. October 5th, folks. <laughs> October 5th. And I believe the signing is going to go from six till nine or so. Um, and uh, but that's all going to be on the website by now, and, and you can you can check it out. We would certainly love to see uh, people that have enjoyed what we do come on down for the signing because we loved doing it last year, and we're really looking forward to doing it again this year and meeting people and just talking with them. And um, and so we're very excited about that. We're very excited about the Legendary Truth album. It's going to bring back a lot of memories for people. That much I can guarantee. And it's, it's truly a piece of history. Um, uh, TJ really went deep in the archives to pull up uh, the case files for Legendary Truth. And uh, it's, it's special. It's special. It's very, very cool. Uh, if, you, if you could see my face right now, I'm smiling <laughs> ear, to ear, ear to ear. I think Legendary Truth for me, is, it's just so funny that we kind of touched on that a moment ago without knowing know. where, you, where you guys are going with it. But I think you mentioned as well, Rick Spencer, God bless his soul. He was just such a big, big part of the community he always wanted to be for the fans you know so to have that as his last project and you guys you know collaborating uh, on that as well because legendary troops towards is a big big part of the history as well which is just wow 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 cannot wait for that wow yeah i just no, it's, i just want I'm sorry. i was gonna say i just want to add when people find out about this you are about to blow a lot of people's minds about it. oh wow like it unbelievable it's ex it's um yeah it's, it's like part of it is like bittersweet but then I, I know Rick would want us to be like no all right let's just move on and then it just gets very exciting yes because I know if I know as a fan of Halloween Horror Nights I would absolutely want this because it's like it's just really cool like obscure like stuff pulled up and it, it that, that it's gonna just it, it, it's these are real nuggets from the Halloween Horror Nights history and and um. Uh, it's gonna be it's 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 gonna be a lot of uh, it's gonna bring back a lot of memories. It's so much fun, and I'm sure it's gonna open the door for more legendary truth at Halloween uh, Horror Nights going forward. They had the haunt last year, 
which I thought was fantastic. And uh, I would be not be surprised if we see um, uh, more of that going forward uh, with the park, just because it's a very cool thing. And and yeah, Rick was um, man, did he love the fans? And he really always wanted to give them. That was first and foremost for him. He was always thinking about you guys and how what he can deliver for you to make Halloween Horror Nights an even more special experience. What's he was always about like, okay, we have everybody coming down to Orlando. They're going to go in through the haunts and they're going to be in the park. What can we do for the fans of Halloween Horror Nights? Those people that come every year, those people that are really, really into what we're doing creatively, that are really into things like Legendary Truth. What can we do to enhance their experience and really give them memories to take back uh, home, uh, you know, that they'll remember for the rest of their life? And that was such a big driving force at everything he did. Uh, and so, um, yeah, again, just super glad that we can, um, that we got to, to work on this one last project together and, and he's heavily featured on it. And that's the coolest part. Uh, you know, uh, he goes through and talks about the clans and stuff. It's, it's going to be, it's cool. Very cool. Awesome. You heard it here first, everybody. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So you've just talked about there about connecting with the fans and stuff like that. And, how important is it for you guys to connect, um, you know, via the legions of night relaunch, um, so you can connect with your fans as well, and, and to wrap it up, I guess what's next for Midnight Syndicate? Oh wow! So <laughs> yeah, you want to say what we got? Well, the the, lead, the legendary truth thing is a big thing. That's a big deal, and we're very much looking forward to coming down there for the signing. Um, certainly, and legions of the night launch was a big deal. Gavin, you want to tell them what we have coming up to? Yeah, I guess we can talk about that now, right? Because it's like an official thing, sort of. Yeah, we can talk about everything. <laughs> yeah, right. this is cool. just, we're all, it's all, we're going in. We're, is, we're talking about everything here. So we will be back at Cedar Point for Hollow Weekends 2022 with an all new show. Um, boy, I'm trying to think of how to talk about this without giving spoilers away. Um, yeah. We will be back at the Aldrich Theater, but not necessarily only at the Aldrich Theater. Let's just leave yeah. it at that. Um, yeah. Yeah, very, it's very. Cool. You know, looking forward yeah, to, to what's that? Getting back, it's, we're just looking forward to getting back there and stuff like that. It's you know, it, it it really works. You know, we were always talking about you know, will Midnight Syndicate ever come down to Halloween Horror Nights and play? And I think we would we would very much like that. And um, you so you never know um what could happen with that. Um, right now, um, certainly working with Cedar Point, uh, as 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 we really got uh. We've really enjoyed playing, working with them, and and we've you know uh, that is another park just like Halloween, just uh, just like Universal Orlando. Uh, you know, Cedar Point was a park that we both grew up at. I grew up, you know, so much there, and so being able to work with that park is also very special. Uh, and it is really close to where we live as well, so he's got that, that northeastern Ohio kind of connection there. Um, but we've been able to do some to create some worlds and some mythos and some really cool storylines on these. Live shows we've done up there, so uh, that's something that we're also going to continue to to work on up there. Uh, but yeah, that's that's kind of that's kind of what we're looking at now. And then we start looking to 2023, which yeah, I mean, I wish I could tell you we have solid, firm plans for 2023, but at this moment, we 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 don't. We're we're just trying to get things set for uh, for this year and stuff like that. We still have a few things we have yet to do um, that we got to finish this year before we could start looking ahead to next year too much but we do hope people go check out legions of the night if they enjoy what we do 
and would like to be part of that fan community, that would be fantastic. We'd love to have you there. Excellent. Awesome. Excellent. Okay, so Gary, you have a, a couple listener call-ins, correct? We do. We did have a little bit of trouble people using the uh, the dial-in link. Um, so we we, yeah. we have two of them. Um, well, we we have three. If you want me to go first, because I have one that was left on Twitter. Yeah, go for it. And then, okay, so Kim, who is Kim SRN on Twitter, basically wants to. Know. I'm interested in finding out how much turnaround time they are given to come up with the music. Also, do they send you the actual information about the houses and zones? Or do they ask for a theme with no specifics? Um, the turnaround time, I believe, was five, five or four, four or five months. And and basically, what they did is they gave us, they would give us like I use Carnival; it's a great example. They 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 gave they would say, hey, this is this is the theme that we that we have. Um, they would take a Midnight Syndicate song and say, I love the vibe of this particular song. And that gives you a, you know, a starting point. Um, some directors will pick other songs from other scores and say, Hey, this is the vibe I'm going for. So they give you that. And then, and then they just give, they give the, the information about the hunt. And a lot of times it's broad strokes, but you don't necessarily need, uh, you know it's it's using for atmosphere, and it's not like you're going to be creating things that are going to time up with jump scares or anything like that. Like, we don't have to do that. If they want to do something that times up with a jump scare, they'll just slide the music to time up as as, as, as needed. So it's more like just giving broad, broad strokes and saying, hey, it's a carnival, and we're going to have all these iconic horror characters coming together in one. And And for that one, it was like, let's make sure we have a segment for each one. Have a big, long section i'm sorry a big long overarching theme with these different segments that are going to be the different that are going to represent the different haunts at the event i don't know i hope that answers her question she can't be here to say well that didn't answer my question at all you suck you know what i mean like that could be she could be sitting on twitter and says ed sucks that didn't tell me anything oh, so, no. we don't know so, yeah. all right gary right, turn so, it back so, over to you now so we have two two call-ins. As you've probably noticed, we like to keep things even on this show. So we have uh, two British hosts and two Americans. So we have one American call-in and uh, one uh, British call-in. So here we go. Hey, RIP Tour team and the Midnight Syndicate. My name is Archie. I'm a horror fan and a music producer from the UK. Now, I know many industry professionals listen to your soundtracks as an inspiration for their Halloween work. But do you guys have that soundtrack, song, or perhaps album that always inspires you or gets you in the mood and spirit for Halloween. Thanks so very much for composing such inspiring but equally beautiful and terrifying music. Well, that's the thank you for wow, that. I'm you. just saying that right now. That makes me feel. Thanks for making my day here, um, Gavin. What do you? What do you? What do you? If you're ready, you can go. I'm yeah. thinking right now. I'm processing. I mean, I, I have to go with the classic because it, it just is Halloween for me, uh, which is Halloween, the, the original soundtrack from John Carpenter. Um, it's just, there's, you know, again, I, I know I said it before, there's so much atmosphere, not only in the movie, but in the soundtrack. And it's so simple. It's a great example of, of that whole, like, less is more principle. Um, you know, you don't have to have something that's necessarily fully orchestrated. You don't have to have something that's, super complicated or super elaborate to really be effective. 
I think like nothing for me speaks louder on that point than than that. Um, I'm going to say this much: when I need to get into the to the to the zone, um, I would say that I listen to more movie soundtrack music and other music like the, like put on the Halloween score or put on the score to uh, the original Tales from the Crypt. Uh, not Tales from the Crypt, Creep Show. Uh, uh, Tales from the Crypt is a great soundtrack too. But Creep Show, I'll just throw that in throughout the year just to listen to. But I think when we get into the zone of creating original music, um, I, and and I want to get into the mood. Really, it's horror films that 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 really do it for me. So I'll watch old horror films. Uh, I love Euro horror films. I love that 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 whole thing. And I will. So I'm getting that music, but I'm getting it also with the visual imagery from that film. And um, and a lot of times I'm not focused focusing on the music exclusively unless it just comes out and grabs me. Um, so it's, it's, it, you know, I would say that's what I use. And I would say that I use a lot of heavy metal um, to get myself into the zone. Um, it's a, uh, I love black Sabbath. One of my favorite band. I mean, I love the Beatles and then number two is black Sabbath. I just love it. And so I find a lot of inspiration from heavy, heavy metal uh, music, King diamond, Merciful fate, obviously um, iron maiden, just, classic metal um and stuff like that uh i just find inspiring and really gets me into the zone awesome so we have our last one and this is from steve hey r.i.p tour and midnight syndicate ed and gavin this is steve first i wanted to say thank you for the impact that your music has made on the halloween horror nights event i really don't think that it would be the same without it so as a percussionist myself, that tends to stand out to me whenever I'm listening to music. And two tracks that I've really connected with are Carnival of Carnage from my first year, HHN 17, and Goons and Grease Paint from Giggles and Gore Inc. I really love that dark carnival and freak show style of music. So I really wanted to give those a shout out. My question is, what is your favorite percussion that you have incorporated into the music for the event? Ooh, man. Um, I know, right? That's such a tricky that question. Is, yeah, yeah. That's a, yeah. Well, thank you, too, I, I, uh, first I, of I, all. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. No, it's so great. Um, I'll tell you, I, I've learned a lot about percussion through Gavin. And Gavin, I'll let you talk about this more. I mean, Gavin is, is a trained percussionist, and I feel like uh, working alongside him over the years, uh, I've learned a lot about using percussion, and uh, nowhere near nowhere near the level of 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 of, of him. But I, I've definitely picked up quite a bit over the over the years. Um, uh, man, man, what's your favorite percussion? Gosh, that's tough. I mean, obviously, you love the temps, the big, the big, I love the huge drums. And I still, I'm still out there looking for the best, big, huge, like, boom, kick drum that just fills the space. Um, that's a sound that, like, that can literally shake you if you have the right amount of speakers. Um, but it's something that I use a lot, or I try to find uh, um, uh, maybe something like that that gives that feel, that big, dark boomy kick that's you know and we've used a lot of different things for that over the years i tried to alter different 
kick drums and bass, not kick drums, but like big concert bass drums to get that sound. Um, but that's something for me that just to hear that boom can really just, just hearing that with reverb on it can like really set your imagination running. Just hearing that big loud boom and let that echo come on out. So, and then you incorporate it into music as a beat. You know, obviously take it down a little notch, but I mean, honestly, it's simple, isn't it? But yet, is it my favorite piece of percussion? Yeah. Um, I think for me, you know, one of my, um, both of us bring our own set of influences into Midnight Syndicate, you know, from outside, like different genres and stuff. And one of the uh, the genres that I, I spent a lot of time listening to growing up was uh, world music, um, especially like traditional Irish and such. So I always have a half an eye on that, you know, when I go into writing a per- percussion part. You know, it's not just like the snares and, and you know, timpani and gongs and all that kind of stuff. I, I always try to like, if there's a way to work in a world influence, you know, it's like I'll try and sneak it in there or, or you know, kind of use it in a way that maybe um, isn't really obvious. Um, so I don't know. If I had to pick a specific instrument, though, I love taiko drums. Taiko drums are awesome, man. You know, like they're just so huge and so grand and um, just they make such an impact. Um so I don't know. I'll go. I'll go that route. Awesome, Steve. I hope that question got answered. I think it did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I'm kind of sad. This brings us to the to the end of the show, guys. It has been... been. I'm sorry. Like I cut you off. No, that's the way I am now. No, I can just cut you off. This, <laughs> honestly, I'm going to say this, and I'm probably <laughs> speaking for the other for the other guys here. This has honestly been one of my favorite interviews ever Aww. you guys have been fantastic so thank you ed and gavin for coming on with us like we can't thank you enough and appreciate your love for music and horror and talking about it with us oh thanks uh, for having know, us on it's, guys, been a, it's been a lot of fun oh absolutely no you guys do great work um and and you made it you make it very easy for, you make it very easy for us i mean really honestly and uh uh, it's just been really great talking to you. And it's always nice talking to people who are passionate about Halloween. Uh, there's nothing, nothing quite like it because, you know, we all have this common, we all have this common love uh, of horror too, that ties us all together. Um, and uh, just the Halloween is magical. We, 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 we appreciate you having on, us on, and I'll tell you, uh, thanks for all the kind words that you shared uh, with us today. Yeah, we've not. We've. I don't think we've ever done a. Uh, I don't think we've ever done an interview with someone from Halloween Horn specifically about. This. So uh, this is a first, and well, it's been wonderful. And we appreciate. It's really uh, quite nice to hear. Um, you know, and in the people that left that those that, that called in and stuff that call-ins and stuff like that. It yeah, it means a lot to us. That's all I'm saying. So I, th- I think the listeners are really, really gonna gonna love this, and I think I do speak for. I think just when you guys were speaking about your craft, you were just so passionate and eloquent about it. I was hanging off every word you were saying. So I think the listeners are really, really gonna love this. Awesome! Oh, so glad for sure. So before we end and get out of here, though, this is your chance. To- Where can everybody find you? You want to plug your socials? You want to plug anything? You want to talk about anything else? <laughs> No. This is the time. All right. Oh, so what do we got? Uh, Gavin, I'll give the normal. So we got, yeah. so midnightsyndicate.com is a great place to start. And if you're interested in that Legions of the Night fan community, there's a link to it right on the front page of our 
of our of our of our website, so you can't miss it. It's one of the two things that we're promoting along with that bloodline. And I'm sure now the legendary truth album and everything else. So um yeah, the website's a great place to, to to follow us. Legions of the Night is an excellent thing. We're on Facebook, quite active there. Um we're also on Instagram Instagram. We're also on Twitter. Uh again, from Midnight Syndicate to com, you can get to all of these. Um very excited for people to explore that legendary truth album. And for fans of the event and for fans of legendary truth, I I, I know you're not gonna be disappointed. Um, so very excited about the release of that. Um, and I, I believe it'll be available online as well as in the park. So that's good. At least that's what we, what we've been told it will be available online. So if you don't live right near the park, you'll be able to pick it up. Um, and the other thing of course, is the signing down there. Uh, remember that's October 5th that will be down there and, and hope to meet some of you down there. And then the last thing, of course, yeah, is uh, we'll be doing live shows. If you find yourself up near the Cleveland area, uh, the Cleveland, uh, Detroit, uh, Northern Ohio region, uh, we play live at Cedar Point uh, from every Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, um, starting September 15th. And uh, a lot of uh, fun, cool stuff there. And we do little meet and greets, short meet and greets after each show there, too. So good chance to stop by and say hi. And if you have anything you need to sign or that, uh, be happy. Um, yeah, I think that's, that's, and we want to thank you for having us and doing such a wonderful interview and making it so easy for us and being awesome. Thank you. We appreciate it. And then one last thing before we get out of here. Hey Gary, where can everybody find us at? We are at RIP to our podcast on Twitter instagram and we have the discord server which there's over 100 people in there now chatting horror nights i literally can't keep up with it um we are on tiktok we have a youtube channel and we also have a merch store and yes we keep saying it every week but the 2022 t-shirt will drop very very soon we we, we already did post it it's almost um, done it's almost done we did post a little teaser on twitter and instagram and but the whole shirt overall looks amazing we can't wait to drop it and again, we will have buttons when we're in the park. So if you see us, come find us. And we will keep a couple for you guys. Absolutely. Um, we, we'll, we will try and come and see you at the uh, signing and, and give nice. you a couple of RIP oh, cool. buttons. Nice, nice, nice. Cool. <laughs> Wear them proudly. <laughs> All right. Again, Ed, Gavin, thank you again so much for coming on with us. But thank we are going to wrap it. We're going to wrap it up here. So we will see you guys in the fog very soon. We're less than two weeks out now, right? Everybody? Anybody want to? Time, time of recording, but when this drops, it will have already opened. Oh, right. Sorry. <laughs> We're speaking into the future again. I forgot about that. Anyway. I gotta go back. That is it. We will see you guys next time. Bye.